children just now in chapter one and two. So we're going to end up in chapter three, uh, which is Nineveh hears God's word in my Bible. So let us listen to the voice of God. The Lord's word came to Jonah a second time. Get up and go to Nineveh, the great city, and declare against it the proclamation that I am commanding you. And Jonah got up and went to Nineveh, according to the Lord's now, Nineveh was indeed an enormous city, a three-day walk across. Jonah started into the city and walking one day, and he cried out, Just forty days more, and Nineveh will be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed the fast and put on morning clothes, and from the greatest of them to the least of them. When word of it reached the king of Nineveh, he got up from his throne and stripped himself of his robe. He covered himself with morning clothes and sat in ashes. Then he announced, In Nineveh, by decree of the king and his officials, neither human nor animal, cattle nor flock will taste anything, no grazing and no drinking water. Let humans and animals alike put on morning clothes and let them call upon God forcefully and let all persons stop their evil behavior and the violence that's under their control thought, who knows, God may see this and turn from his wrath, so that we might not perish. God saw what they were doing, but they had ceased their evil behavior, and so God stopped planning to destroy them, and God did not do it. This is the word of the Lord. Jonah was afraid of Nineveh. We have a very sophisticated system, which involves him going like this. <laughs> Jonah was afraid of Nineveh, right? Jonah was afraid of Nineveh. Now, Nineveh, if you can picture, you didn't see my awesome map that I drew for the kids, but Nineveh is in modern-day northern Iraq. We know Nineveh because it's been in the news lately. Um, the town is called now Mosul, um, and it has been a center of the fight against ISIS for century, for years now, it seems. In um, 2020, they uncovered the gates of Nineveh, the actual gates of the city. The archaeologists discovered it. ISIS promptly bombed it and destroyed it. Um, but it's there. We know Nineveh. We know this city. We found it. They dug it out. And I can tell you authoritatively, Nineveh was not three days' walk across. It was 125,000 people, which is big for a Middle Eastern city of that time, but it was not nearly as big as the picture Jonah had in his head of Nineveh. Jonah grew up in the northern Israelite kingdom. He was a prophet. This is one of the few prophet stories in the Old Testament that is about the prophet and not about his prophecy. In fact, the only prophecy we get from Jonah in this story is that little one-word sentence that I said, repent, or in 40 days God's going to destroy the city. That's all we know. And so the prophecy, what we're learning here from Jonah, is not the prophecy, but about his life story. We're supposed to learn a lesson from life stories, and what we've learned from Jonah's life story is that we are afraid of big towns. We're afraid of unknown places, right? Nineveh was about the size of, like, Chicago or San Diego or El Paso. We know these cities, and the stories that we hear about places like Chicago and El Paso are stories of violence, 
It seems that all we hear on the news about these big cities are the bad things that happen in them. And so the people of northern Israel had an image of Nineveh, of a place that was full of violent people who were evil and beyond reproach, who God did not love because all of them, all of them were terrible, including the cattle who were going to be destroyed. We know Nineveh. And sometimes we try, we are supposed to go to places like Nineveh, and we don't, we don't want to go because we hear the stories about these places, and we're told that they are full of people who are evil in their hearts and bad and awful, and so we run the other direction. Jonah was afraid. Jonah was afraid because he believed the stories about the Ninevites. He believed the bad stories and believed that if he were to go, he would be subject to the violence that was in that place. He had every reason to run away. He had every reason to run to Joppa. And I was taught in Sunday school that we should be ashamed of Jonah, right? That it was a a moral story about what happens to people who run away from God. That we end up getting eaten by a fish. I thought as a child that getting eaten like a, by a fish was a lot bigger problem than it turned out to be in, a lot, in adulthood. <laughs> right, because we had this story of Jonah, but we also grew up with Pinocchio, which has the scariest version, like scene of any Disney movie, you know what I'm talking about? where Pinocchio tries to also run away and gets eaten by a giant fish, and he has to build a little campfire inside the fish's stomach, right? I refuse to watch Pinocchio to this day because it's the most terrifying. Who wants to live in a fish? We know this story. We know what it is to run away. We are Jonah because we do it all the time. We run away all the time. We run away from each other. We run away from the call of God in our hearts. We run away from all the things that God puts into our brains and our hearts that are the right thing to do. We are really good at being Jonah. And so when we hear this story again, we hear that Jonah was called again to go to Nineveh. God didn't let Jonah off the hook. Jonah tried to run away, but much like our parents, when we tell them our room is clean and it's not, you're just going to end up having to do it anyway. Jonah was afraid because it was a different place. It was a new place, and he didn't know who he would be or what he would be like in this place or who the people were actually going to be when he got there. And much like places like Chicago and El Paso and Miami and Atlanta and all of those cities, it turns out that most of the people in this place are not like the stories that we hear. I've been to Charlotte like a million times, and I have never once encountered something violent happening to me, right? And yet all the stories we hear about Charlotte are what? Violence. So several years ago, I was invited to be the preacher and speaker at um, United Presbyterian Churches of Charlotte's Women's Day event. They have a Women's Day event. It was really cool. Um, on Saturday, they have a hat parade, which is amazing. And then on Sunday, there was a worship service. And I was invited to be the speaker at the worship service, and they invited me to the hat parade. Now, there's a little bit of uh, some background you should know. So back in the Civil War days, slaves went to church with their masters, right? You went to church with your masters. Wherever your master went, that's where you went, because they were your transportation. Um, and. So um, they did, but when the Civil War ended and Reconstruction began, um, there was a big question about what you were supposed to do now. 
what were you supposed to do now? Like there wasn't the order, like the social order there should have been. And anyway, um, what Presbyterian church, churches started doing is building sister churches for all of the slaves to go to, right? Which seems kind, but they were not as good, right? First United Presbyterian Church was the slave church of First Presbyterian Church in Charlotte. And so I was invited to be the speaker at this hat day, and I walked into the room, and I was the only white person there, right? And I felt really uncomfortable, I'll be honest. I felt really uncomfortable because that was not something I was used to. Like, that's not my lived experience. And they got up and did the most amazing hat parade ever. Every woman in there had the, an amazing hat on. Amazing hats, big hats, little hats, little fancy hats with the things. And they danced and they sang and I stuck out like a little sore thumb, right? Like that, like literally I was like this. They're like, yay, and have a great time. And I'm like, right? And so then I have to go and preach the next day. And how do you preach when you're terrified on the inside? These are lovely people. They're wonderful people. They're some of my best friends now. But I got up in church and I just said, y'all, this is a little bit like Nineveh for me. And they all laughed. And they said, welcome to Nineveh as a group. <laughs> right? And I tell you this story because there are all kinds of times where we're going to be afraid to do what God has called us to do. We're going to be afraid to go where God has called us to go. We're not going to want to maybe admit it. We're not going to want to maybe like tell everybody about it. But God calls us to go to these places where we're going to stick out like a sore thumb sometimes. Our youth went to Fifth Street a couple weeks ago and served dinner to the homeless. Now, I'm, well, I'll take a vote, I guess, but were they all, like, was that comfortable? Was that easy? Was it hard? Was it a little bit scary, maybe? I've, had, I've offered that before, and I've had adults refuse to go because it's a little bit scary and a little bit hard and a little bit difficult. We are called to go into the hard places. And the first step to do that is to recognize that all those people that we have flattened into something scary, that we have been told are full of violence and evil in their hearts, the first step is to recognize that they are three-dimensional, beautiful, ugly, messy people just like you are. They're just like you. That the stories we've been told about them is not the whole truth about them. We pick up the newspaper or turn on the news and we hear stories about groups of other people, about Charlotte, about all kinds of groups of people, and we're told that they're, they're full of evil in their hearts and they have bad intent, and all of these things. And I'm, I'm saying that like Jonah, it may be a little bit scary for us to step into those places that God has called us to be. But the first thing we have to do is to recognize that those stories are not the entire truth about them. That's not all that there is to be about them. And it's okay to be a little bit afraid and a little bit of nervous. But God is calling us to go to those places and to be with the people who we have been told are full of evil in their hearts. And so I've been thinking about why Jonah didn't want to go. 
and why he was afraid and why he ran away. And I think the truth is that Jonah didn't want to go because there was a chance that those people would actually be redeemed. He didn't want those people to be okay. He was comfortable with believing that they were evil in their hearts and there was no redemption for them. And when God sent him to Nineveh to redeem them, he didn't want to go because there was a chance that they actually would believe him. That they would change who they were, that they would repent. Jonah spends all of chapter 4 complaining to God about the fact that they listened. He spends all of chapter 4 complaining about the fact that the prophecy worked, that he put no effort into whatsoever, and it actually happened. He was upset that those people heard the voice of God, and that meant that he was going to have to change his opinion about them. What is his life like if the people he has been taught to hate turn out to be God's people too? What is his life like if the stories that he'd been told about these people is not true anymore? What is his life like if he has to look at those people and see them as children of God too? And that's what he was afraid of. That's the fear. The fear is seeing those people as children of God too. And changing his opinion about them. And so I don't know what fear is lifting in your heart this morning. I don't know what groups of people maybe that you have heard stories about that God is calling you to change. I don't know what God is calling you into, but I know that it's going to be scary the first time and maybe the second time. And stepping into Nineveh is hard because it requires us to change who we are in our hearts. So I invite you to go back and read the story of Jonah for yourself and to see where you are in that story and then not sit and complain to God after when what happens, what God calls you to do actually works because that's the good news of the gospel. Amen.